blessed Mother's Day, especially to be a mother, even if you didn't birth that child. Amen. Raising children is a job. Amen. Some of us have raised children that were birthed by that. So I understand what it is to be a mother. I've been a single parent now for, oh, let's say about nine years almost. So it's been kind of tough mainly with a little girl who sits out there in the audience who keeps begging me, Daddy, don't make me sing. Daddy, don't make me sing today. <laughs> yeah, I try to get back. I try to get mine back. You know, she give me them hard times. It's okay now. When I preach, you might have to sing. <laughs> we, know how to, we know how to do it. I like to pray, give praises and glory to my Father who has blessed me on this road of ministry now. And uh, it has not been easy, but it has been a blessing. Yes, and I'd like to honor Pastor Venice for having me and giving me the opportunity to, to share with you what the Lord has placed on my heart. And I'm here on behalf of Temple Bible College, as he says. And, and the only founder left is Dean Atkins, who is my spiritual father. And, and who has stepped up in place of the Reverend Calvin Harper, who was my spiritual father, all the way up until his passing a couple of months. I'm a member of Morning Star Baptist Church. My pastor, Jerome Clay, now. So we're just here to, to praise God, Amen. to bring a sense of awareness to, to what God expects of us. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. I'm going I'm to say a prayer. And then we'll get right into the scripture. Uh, so just bear with me. Let us bow. Eternal God in heaven, before we ask you for anything, we must thank you for everything. Father God, we thank you for who you are to us, who you've been for us. And we thank you for all that you've done. And we thank you for what you're doing now. And we thank you for what you're going to do that we don't even have any idea of. Because, Father, we know you know all about us. So, Father God, we ask at this time that you would have your way, that your anointing would cover me from the soles of my feet to the top of my head, that I would be the vessel that you used this morning to touch the hearts of man, to be aware of what you have called us to do and be, and who we are and the power that we have that you have invested in us. Forgive me for any sins that I have committed that were wrong, uh, unknowingly and knowingly. And, and strengthen me, Father God, where I'm weak. And humble me, Lord, where I'm strong. Because, Father, I can do nothing, absolutely nothing, without you. So go before me today, Father, in the way that only you know how. And bless these that are here with the word that you've given me. For us in Jesus' name, I pray and give you thanks for all things. Amen. 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 Well, I, I, I'm not going to make this about me, but I am a, 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 a guy with a lot of humor. And you know, I'm not a singer, so you won't get me to be one of them guys that just break out with a song and just, just woo you with that good gospel song right before he gets started, I'm going to make you laugh. I love laughter. With a name like Lovejoy, I like to see people laugh. 
So I'm going to tell you a quick, quick funny, and then I'm going to get into the scripture. There was this pastor on his dying bed, and he had a request, and he told his wife. He called his wife. He says, honey, I got a request. He says, I want you to call my lawyer and my banker. He says, I want them here. I want to see them. And he was laying in the bed. She says, well, okay, honey, that's what I'll do. I'll get them on the phone right now. So she called him. The lawyer and the banker, they come to the house. And she says, okay, he's upstairs in the bed. So they walk up in there and they knock on the door. And he's laying in the bed. And he says, come in, come in. And he looks and he sees it's the lawyer and the banker. So he has one sit on the right side of the bed and the other on the left side of the bed. And as he's talking, he says, Lord, I just thank you. He's praying. He says, I thank you for what you've done for me in my life. And I thank you for these two here, Father God. And he reached his hand to heaven. He says, oh, thank you, Jesus. And he looked at the brother. He said, I'm glad you guys could make it. He says, I'm glad you came. And the banker looked at him. He said, well, Pastor, he said, we appreciate you calling on us and being here, but we, we want to know what was it that moved you to call us? He thought about it and he looked and he reached and he said, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. He said, Jesus was buried between two thieves. I wanted to die just like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like that one. <laughs> Amen. I'd like to call your attention to the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, and I'd like to read verses one through seven. But our focus today will be on verse two. Amen. Ephesians, the second chapter. Starting at the first verse, if we all have it, say amen. If we don't say, wait a minute. Let us read together. It says, and you have quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked accordingly to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience, yes. among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and have raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Amen. 
I want to make a focus on that second verse in which ye once walked accordingly to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Yes, sir. I just want to talk about being God-centered. Yes, God-centered. Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus here, and he's letting them know that we have to remember that we have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light. Yes, that we have been changed by the renewing of our minds. Yes. That we now abide with Christ and sit with God in heavenly places. That we have now the access to call on the Father whenever we need him. Yes, we have to realize that we have the power to do whatever God says we can do. And even things we think we can't do, God gives us the power. So we look at a major characteristic of human spirit is that the habitually self-centered is, is rather than God-centered, a simple example illustrates how it becomes this way in Genesis 1.31. It takes satisfaction in all. He had made declaring it very good. Including in this is Adam and Eve's nature as they were already created by this time. Now God created the heavens and the earth. And everything he created, he created, he said, it is good. It is good. Including mankind, Adam and Eve. Thus, at the beginning, mankind's nature was not corrupted by contact with this world. Genesis 3 records the episode of their confrontation with Satan that began the evil transformation of their basic nature. God did not create their nature as evil. But it became evil through the influence of another spirit that they chose to follow without intervention from their creator. Yes, yes. God-centered. Anything and everything that we do, we should include God. Amen. God should intervene in our every daily thing. Yes, we live in a world right now that is anti-Christ, anti-God. Yes, God is not at the center of hardly anything anymore, yes, including our churches. Yes, we are more trying to gain money and wealth, prosperity. Our ministers are preaching prosperity and not repentance. We're not preaching hell no more, fire and brimstone. Listen, hell exists. It's real. It's real. And everybody hollered, Lord, Lord, ain't going. It took me a long time to understand what that scripture says when it says, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. 
it's going to be a whole lot more people that go to hell than it is that's going to go to heaven. Because we don't allow God to intervene in our business, in our life, in our work, in our children, in our community, in our house. Adam and Eve messed up because they didn't have a God intervention. We need godly intervention. And we need it daily. We need it often. I'm an entrepreneur and I have struggled trying to be in business for myself. And it's still a challenge. But you know what I say every day? God, you are my source. You are the one that moves on the heart of men to have somebody call me and say, Love Joy, I need some work. Are you available? Can you do it? Will you come and look? I trust God. Intervention. The same process continues to this day as each of us are born into the world and comes under the influence of the same spirit that influenced Adam and Eve to turn from God, we're all born with a slight pull towards self. But not with the evil that eventually develops and manifests itself in our conduct. Evil is not, cannot be, passed on through procreation. Everybody here has a choice to do what's right or what's wrong. If my daddy was a hellion, that don't mean I got to be one too. That don't mean that I inherited it from him. I have a choice. And once I have learned about the saving power of Jesus, I have no excuse. Because Jesus is our source. Yes, sir. So, but it is a fashion anew by the spirit of age into which a person is born. It is a converted parent's responsibility to God and to his children to ensure the right spirit dominates his home so the children can be properly nurtured. We can pass the buck all we want to and complain about why our kids don't and why they don't love and why they so full of anger and why they killing one another and why they, it's our fault. The Bible tells us to raise our kids a certain way in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The whole duty of God is to fear God and keep his commandments. They don't have the fear of God in their life. They don't even know who God is. They don't even know how to worship God. They don't even know the the consequences of praising God. They don't know as a result of knowing God, how God moves in that life. That's our fault. We dropped the ball. We dropped the ball. You know, I say that and I say we dropped the ball and, and I think about we have to remember who we are. You know, it's basketball playoffs right now. 
And you know, I, I like the basketball, and I, I, I'm not big on Cleveland, but I, I, I like I like Gold State. So I get some stuff started right now for all you Ohio people. <laughs> I was born in Dayton, so you know I can flip flop. You know, it's like I don't like the Bengals. But anyway, you know, we're dealing with the. <laughs> 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 I know y'all gonna say, "Don't get Love Joy back. He don't like Cleveland. He don't like Cincinnati." But anyway, I think about that, and I say, you know, to us, you know, we got the NBA. Well, we part of the NBA, too. We part of the New Birth Association. And we have to live like we've been born again. We have to teach our children how to live like they've been born again. To teach them what being born again is. To teach them that God is control and still in control of everything that goes on. We live in a world with nothing but distractions. The number one distraction that we have right now is this thing right here. I hate it. I hate it. I liked it when you had that old rotary dial phone, the push button phone, and folks had to wait till the evening to get in touch with you. Now they can get in touch with you any day, any time of the morning and night, and if you don't answer, folk got an attitude. Well, why he ain't calling me back? Well, why he ain't texting me back? Well, why? I mean, really? And, and, and the enemy is, is, is using that as a disconnect. It's a disconnect. Look at our children. They, they, they got these headphones on now. That's a disconnect. I wouldn't have thought about ever wearing no headphones when I was coming up. I'm too busy watching over my back. I want to hear who's coming. I want to see what's going on. I was, just, I was just raised that way. These are the diversions that we have. The music, we know the music is a disconnect. Even some of the new gospel music that we're getting, it still got, it still got that R&B to it. It still got that certain beat to it. And we don't understand that in this is, is all satanic stuff. Certain beats don't honor God. Certain sounds don't honor God. Certain things don't honor God. A disconnect. A disconnect. We have to be God-centered. The word tells us, it says, be ye in the world, but not of it. We have to continually work on our sanctification. Now, this is mainly for saints. Mainly for saints. We, we are in a place, you know, I like that, I like that scripture in Timothy. It says, it says, we live in perilous times. And it gives all these examples of men shall become lovers of themselves and, and, and high-minded and, and false accusers. And, and it just goes on. Everything that you see people doing right now, right now. And then it goes on to say, having the very form of godliness but denying the power therein, it says some turn away. We have to use the power. We can't continue to turn away and turn our backs on what we know is sin and not stand up and speak out against it and just let it go. 
I'm almost getting scared to be called a Christian because now we have Christians in the world that accept worldly things in the church that God is not ordaining. We have to be careful that, that we don't look like the world. Having the very form of godliness. Yeah, he sound like a preacher. Yeah, he, he act like a preacher. But I don't know what a preacher looks like no more because they ain't wearing suits all the time now. Having the form of godliness. But denying the power thereof. The Bible says that God has told us by the power invested in you. He has invested power in us through the Holy Ghost. Power. Power to overcome anything, everything. Now, he didn't say we wasn't going to have no problems. He didn't say we wasn't going to have no, no tribulations because we know it wouldn't have said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord deliver us out of them all. God-centered. Center. People in the world understand that this is some, to some extent when they observe with maxims like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Like father, like son. Like mother, like daughter. These things we say don't necessarily make it right. If my father was a whore, I don't need to be a whore. I don't have to be a whore. If my uncle was a thief, I don't have to steal like he stole. Listen, God is listening to our conversation. That's why in James, he tells us we need to bridle our actions and we need to bridle our tongue. We have the power to speak life and death. God-centered. How can we say we godly if our conversation is not centered around God? How can we do it? We become hypocrites. We become hypocritical in our conversation. Help me, Lord. Help me. The world's Christians to avoid responsibility for their evil, have blamed God for creating us this way. But God did not make us this way. Mankind, represented by Adam and Eve, chose to become this way, and all of their descendants, including us, have chosen the same path under the influence of the same evil spirit who offered Adam and Eve the choice. This accounts for the course of this world. That's why Satan is the prince of this world. Because he tricked Adam and Eve. They lost their centered, centeredness on God and it and became self-centered. Let's deal with self-centeredness a little bit. 
You know, self-centered is something. You know, I, I think about this. This, this, this is how self-centered is. I, I just give you. We talk about Saul and Samuel. Samuel went to Saul because God told Saul to go in there and kill all them ites. I don't know which one it was. It could have been the Zebudites, the Amorites, the Hittites, whatever. They was ites. Let's put it like that. Okay? Because it was a bunch of them. It was a bunch of them. He said kill everything. Saul didn't. He kept the youngest calves, even some of the children, and came back. And Samuel said, did not God tell you to go in there and kill everything? Well, Saul said, Samuel asked Saul, Saul said, well, I saved the fattest calf so we could offer up to God for praises, sacrifices. And I just couldn't kill some of these little ones. Samuel said, well, it smells like stitching God's nose. He is not honored by that. And then he asked him, he said, don't you know that obedience is greater than sacrifice? Listen, our obedience is what God, is what moves God. Saul had a self-centeredness at that time. But he went on to say, it's as of idolatry and witchcraft. Let me tell you something. You can sit up here and be the smartest person on this earth. But if you don't give the credit to God, you're your own idol. I don't care how well we do, what we do well in, what we do well with, if we don't acknowledge God in it, is God is not centered in it, God is not happy with it. That's self-centeredness. We still struggle for titles. Well, that's bishop so-and-so. Well, that's pastor so-and-so. No. To God be the glory. I don't stand here today to talk about Lovejoy because Lovejoy is filthy and dirty. I'm only cleansed by the blood shed on Calvary. And whatever I do, I do it out of the love that God has for me. Self-centeredness. That's one of our main problems. That's why we can't help one another to the capacity in which we see some things really truly working. The disconnect. The disconnect. Our world is headed in a tailspin down. This president we got now, he is the epitome of self-centeredness. He don't care about nobody. Now you want to talk about some evil kings back in the day with the children of Israel. Boy, I tell you, we got one here. We got one here. We got a Pharaoh right now. We, we, he, 
he's worse than a Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar saw some things, but, but, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened. This president we got now got a hardened heart. You know, and I think about things that he said. I think about things that he said when he said, you know, well, black people, what you got to lose? You might as well vote for me. What you got to lose? I said, no, what, what, is, what does that sound like? I mean, let's, let's read between the lines with this. What does this sound like? Well, we got to lose everything Obama fought for to get us back to where we are. And everything Obama did, he is, he is tearing it up. Tearing it up. And then I heard on the radio, he's against funding all of our historically black colleges. Now, if that ain't a move from the devil, the first thing he, he, he wants to do is strip us from anything that we know. The less we know, the less we talk, the less responsible we have to be. The less accountable we are. Jeremiah 17 and 9 shows us how evil judges the source of our unconverted motivations to be. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And when I hear that and I read that, the first scripture comes to mind is, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is he. How do we think with our heart, saints? Anything that is unclean is in our heart. And then whatever's in unclean in our heart, it produces the mindset to respond and act to it in our character. That's how the mind and the heart coincide. But the power is in the reverse. That's why the Bible tells us, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because if you change the way you think, God can cleanse your heart. He can purify your heart. He can give you an uprightness about yourself. He will give you forgiveness. And your actions will change toward others. Who can know it but God? The natural heart of man is definitely corrupt, incurably sick. It is so, so evil, it cannot be salvaged by repairing it. It must completely, it must be completely replaced. Only God can give us a new heart. Only God can give us a new heart. Only God can give us a new heart. This is what the, this is what the conversation process 
are calling to repentance, justification and sanctification accomplishes. If God has given us a clean heart, then we ought to look like we have forgiven folks. You know, the Bible says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined. For whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he also justifies. Now, our justification can only come when we change our actions and we allow God to purify our hearts. And then comes the glorification. God can only glorify us when he's being glorified through us. That's the glorification. Now, the greatest glorification of it all is when we shall see him, we shall be like him. But we will have glorification right here through how we serve one another. We need to understand more completely why this aspect of God's command to flee Babylon is so important. Now, everybody got a Babylon. I don't care what. We all enslaved to something, somebody, some place, some area. We all got a Babylon. And if we're not still there, we've been delivered from there. And we need to remember how long we was there so we can appreciate how long we want to be away from there. Amen? We can easily be deceived about it, misunderstanding why God says the human heart is incurably sick. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus makes an easy overlooked comment. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to you? Those who ask him, the way he says this implies that those before him were thoroughly not partly evil. We are thoroughly evil, needing to be cleansed, needing to be washed, needing to be delivered, needing to be held accountable for our actions. God-centered, getting ready to close. He flat out calls them evil. There's no equitivation, no modification of this verse in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus himself was called good. In Matthew 19, 16, but immediately corrects the speaker saying, no one is good, but one, that is God. This is God's assessment of human nature, not man's. Jesus is saying that just because human nature knows how to, how to and actually does some good things, it does not alter the fact that it is still incurably evil. Our pride tends to blunt God's assessment, rising to defend us from the condemnation of what we are compared to and that's the standard of God. Yes, yes, sir. Pride. 
men fall fat on their face because of pride. Pride is the main tool for self-centeredness. Why would Jesus say, even knowing that he was the son of God, that no one is good but the Father? Why would he say that? He was without no sin. He knew no sin. Why did he say it? He said it because he knew he was wrapped in some of the dirtiest stuff he could be wrapped in. And that was this flesh. We have to remember that we are not, we are spiritual beings wrapped in this flesh. And not fleshly beings with a spirit. God created the spirit first. We only became a living soul and fleshly beings when he That's why when he takes that out of us, we lay horizontal with the ground. Self-centeredness is not it. We got to be God-centered, saints. We got to trust God. We got to know that God says, God says, the, the word says, God is not a man that he should lie, yes, nor the son of man that he should repent. Yes. If he said it would be, shall it not come to pass? Yes, if he said he would do it, shall he not perform, shall he not perform that that he yes. said? Yes, Our trust is not centered in God. I pray, I pray that something has been said. I pray that we know that God is still on the throne. No matter what this world hands us, no matter what this world shows us, no matter how much this world tries to take control of our lives, we got to know. And we got to know who God is. Who is God? God the Father. He's God the Most High. God who sees the Almighty, the Everlasting God, the Holy One of Israel, Lord Adonai, Lord Yahweh, the Provider, the Healer, the Banner, the Presence, the Sanctifier, the Peace, Righteousness, Heavenly Father, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Father who forgives, God of the living, Lord of the harvest, the only true God, Abba, Father, Savior of all people. And God the Son is God, the second Adam, the seed of a woman, the bruiser of a serpent's head, Abraham's blessings, Isaac's offerings, the rock of Israel, Emmanuel, the redeemer, the prophet, the mighty God, the commander of the Lord's army, the pierced one, the man of sorrows, son of man, the I am, the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate for the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection of life, the way, the truth, and the life. And God, the Holy Spirit, is the breath of life, 
the spirit of creation and renewal, faithful servant, dew from heaven, the pillar of fire, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the Lord, the anointing, the spirit of judgment and burning, spirit of grace, streams in the desert, spirit who gives rest, God's good spirit, the new spirit, the promise of the Father, the power of the Most High, the comforter, the spirit of truth, the witness of God, the finger of God, the living water, the new wine. This is the God we serve. Help us, Lord, to be God-centered. Amen? Amen. Powerful, powerful word. Amen.